Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I'll think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Kicking off hour number two of the show. Coming up at 3.30, Jason Horowitz, the new play-by-play voice for the Silver and Black. You'll hear part one of my conversation I had with him Thursday evening. You'll hear part two of that conversation coming up in hour number three of the show at 4.30. Uh, got a text on the Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword r keeping four running backs and a fullback. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it because Josh McDaniels uses uh, multiple guys. You know, he does running back by committee. So if you have, if you, have uh, you know, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Brandon Bolden, I can see Zamir White being, you know, a guy that you put in there uh, for a few carries down but near the goal line. Uh, you know, kind of that big, that big back, and then, and then you're having Jakob Johnson as your fullback. I, I can see it happening. Not guaranteeing it's going to happen, but I can definitely see it. Um, I, w- I would be surprised if they just stashed him on uh, IR for the rest of the year. Yeah, because I'm looking at the I looked at the Patriots running stats just last season to see, and they did have three running backs that played just about in every game, mm-hmm. and also you have that fourth running back who played in five games because Stevenson did miss a couple of games. Right. So that means that they had four running backs on staff. That's what I'm and saying. Then Jacob Johnson. Yeah. So it's not out of the question to that. No. Texture. No, not at all. And that's that's why I think that Zamir White will be that guy that even if he's not out there suited out for every game, he'll be out there and available for multiple games throughout the course of the season. So that's just kind of a clarification on what I was trying to say about that running back position. Thank you, DeMond, for your fine work uh, back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. And, of course, we always want to hear from you at 69187, keyword r also 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Mac. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's going on with you guys? Hope you guys have a good weekend. Yes, sir. Hey, um, I just want to say, uh, you was talking about um, the interceptions and, you know, just let guys play. I mean, my thing is this. Okay, yeah, you might jump around and do certain things, but um, Lester um, Hayes did that. A lot of the great corners did that. Just let him be who he is. And you, you're talking about mistakes. Guys going to make mistakes. This is the NFL. Nobody's perfect. So if you can can do make a play, look at last year. Um, uh, Trevon had a uh, against Washington against the uh, the Commanders. Uh, we had an interception. He drops it. So I mean, he was there and he drops it. It's okay. If it didn't, we end up losing the game. But but um, Hobbs made an interception because he he went off the route. Yeah, he he wasn't supposed to do that, but he did. Just let guys play. My thing is, you can't. You can't be perfect. Nobody's going to be perfect. Just play the game. Do your assignment like you say. But sometimes things happen where you got to make a play for to, to save the team. And as far as Derek Carr, he is in that second part, uh, uh, in that second tier. Because um, I read that athletic. He, he's in that second tier. He's right. I think he's better than Dak Prescott. Um, and, and that's my opinion on it, and I'll let you guys go on that. But, uh, yeah, we just got to play. And also, oh, one more thing on uh, uh, um, on that regime. The one thing they do, they Bill Belichick and those guys play their starters into in, in, in preseason games. Go back and look; they play their starters in preseason games. So I don't know. I don't know if that's changed because McDaniel is here, but they play their they play their starters. All right. 
right. Hey, good stuff. Thank you, Raider Mac. Appreciate the call. And uh, let's let's well, let's start with the preseason game because that'll be the easiest one. Uh, I'm interested. I, I think that they'll they'll get a little bit of burn in the preseason, but with them having four games, I don't know if it's going to start this week. Right. That's that's my thing. I don't because there's four preseason games. So normally that first preseason game. Even it doesn't matter what team you are. Normally you don't see your guys that much in the first one. So I don't think you'll see very much in the Hall of Fame game, but I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, that's fantastic. I would love to see some guys out there early, and I know you take the chance of, of getting injured, but it's football, and you're going to take the chance of getting injured regardless. Uh, as, far as, as far as Nate goes, I don't disagree with you, you know, but at the same time, I'm just – it's not my rules. It's, you know what I mean? I'm not the one that's saying just do your job. I'm telling you what this regime is saying. That's all. I'm just Pat, I'm just the messenger, you know. So you can t- tell them to let them play, and as I mentioned, they're gonna say, "Good job on the interception," but they're also gonna say you can't do that very often. You can't do that very much. It's great to make an instinctual play like that, but if it gets caught on film, those tendencies that'll get picked up on. That's the difference between just going out and playing football like me and you play, where it's just go out there and play. There ain't nobody filming our us play. You know what I mean? Like there's there's film. Guys study film for a reason because they're going to say this is this guy's tendencies. If we throw this look at him, he's going to think this is happening and he's going to go back to what he did and go make that play and he's going to be the hero. And unfortunately, that's what happens. That, that's all I'm saying. But, I mean, what did I say before we close out hour number one? They're going to pat him on the back and say good job on the interception, but be aware of this. I mean, that's, that's all it's going to be. It's not, I'm not coming down on the guy for making an interception, you, you'll, especially when you only had six as a team last year. You'll take every interception you can get. You just have to be careful because if you put those, those, I don't even want to say bad habits because I don't want you to take it the wrong way. If you put those, those habits out there, some team could exploit it. Simple. Real quick, a quick story from the NFL when they had like that top 100 players list or whatever. Bill Belichick and Ed Reed, they were talking about a play, and Bill Belichick says that's the best football play I've ever seen. And Ed Reed in his preparation for one game against the Colts to get an interception against mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, he did some things that he knew Peyton Manning was going to be watching on film yep. two weeks earlier. Yeah. So that's like so Peyton Manning's looking at it on film like, hey, I'm going to be able to take I'm going to be able to take advantage of this. Exactly. But Ed Reed's doing just this. He's in a doing game the same thing. Just so he can try yeah. to fake out Peyton Manning for one play. Right. And then what you say, that's the preparation that goes into it, like the chess match of right. hey, I see something on film. I'm going to be able to take advantage of this. If I see in this coverage, I see him out of place a little bit. And those are the things like you said you don't want it to be on film even if you do have the chance to make a good play right exactly so yeah i mean it, it's give or take and i think demon you said it perfect it's it's a chess match it's not checkers it's a chess match so you know these guys these these teams these offensive coordinators these head coaches they're playing as many mind tricks on you as you're trying to play on them it's just a lot harder when you're a defender and that's why ed reed's a hall of famer right because he's a hall of famer and and he is smart enough to, and calculated enough to be able to say, this is what I'm going to do to set this guy up two weeks from now, where your average defender, and I'm not calling Nate Hobbs average, but he's only been in the league one year. So let's you know, let, him, let him build up his resume before we you know, crown him uh, all-time great. Those guys, they have, to, they have to continue to build and build and build and know what they're looking at because sometimes what you're looking at, you know that in the, in the mirror, in the, they have a little saying in the mirror, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Sometimes it ain't always what it looks like, right? Sometimes it looks like it's farther away and it's not. Sometimes it looks like the play is right there and it's not. So that, that's all I'm saying, Raider Mac. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, I'm, I'm all for playmakers. Look, I say DBs win games all the time. I say it all the time. And I, I, I can tell you <laughs> – I wasn't the guy who made very many plays. I can tell you that right now. Matter of fact, the one play that I had an opportunity to make, I blew it. 
You know why? Because I went in when I was supposed to go out, right? <laughs> there was nothing on the outside. So my dumb self was like, oh, well, I'm going to go ahead and look in the backfield. I'm going to make a play. I'm going to go over here, creep to the middle of the field because I see this ball coming. And guess what? That ball sailed right over my head to the corner of the end zone where there was a nice wide receiver waiting there for the ball. And everyone said, Q, where were you at? And you know what I can say? My bad. <laughs> Don't nobody want to hear my bad, dog. That one's on me. <laughs> yeah, I got you next time, Coach. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Q. You got us next time. Get out there and block that extra point or do something. Make up for something. But you just, you know, it's just it happens. Now, of course, I was not very good. So there's there's a whole other story. But, yeah, man, that's 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 all I'm talking about, though. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I got what you're coming from. I, I definitely appreciate you. Uh, and you can always chime in. It's like Raider Mac did at 702-365-9200. Now, real, real quickly. That took a lot of time. I want to get to these tiers real quick. Mike Sando from The Athletic put it out. Uh, we always have him on the show every year. Uh, DeMond, you said he's, what, in training camp tour right now? That's why he couldn't come on? Yeah, he's on his 10-team you know, tour. You know, So right. he's, uh, he's going from plane to plane, city to city, and it's a grind. Okay, no doubt. Well, well, we'll get him on at some point. If we don't, it's not a big deal. Anyway, it's the typical tiers. It's, it's like the ranking of quarterbacks. Uh, we did it last year. Tier 1 is a quarterback that can carry his team each week. The team wins because of him. He can expertly handles he expertly handles pure passion situations. He has no real holes in his game. On this list, he had two, three, four, five. I was actually surprised there was this many. Six. There were six quarterbacks in Tier 1. I was actually surprised by that because I felt like that that was a lot. You know, that, that basically you're saying you're an elite quarterback. Tier 2, as Raider Max said, that's where Derek Carr came in. Derek Carr came in as a Tier 2 quarterback and carry his team sometimes, but not as consistently. He can handle pure passing situations in doses and or possesses other dimensions that are special enough to elevate him above Tier 3. He has a hole or two in his game. And so guys like Stafford are in this. Russell Wilson is in this list. Deshaun Watson's on this in this category. Lamar Jackson is on this. Prescott, which I am like Raider Mac, I believe – Carr is better than – and then Derek Carr at number 12. And then right behind him is Kyler Murray. So I think we all are kind of in agreement where everyone is at. But the one thing that stood out to me that I thought was really cool, and, of course, all these guys always are anonymous. They don't say who they are. But in this article, it says he is close to Tier 1. Derek Carr is, a head coach said. Just from an intellect standpoint, he always puts them in a good position. He makes a lot of good decisions. But similar to the Dak Prescott and Stafford conversation, there is something different in Rodgers, Mahomes, Josh Allen. Carr is a notch below those guys. He can't quite overcome it when it's bad around him. Uh, a study conducted last season showed Carr getting worse support from his own defense and special teams than any of 41 quarterbacks with at least three seasons as a starter over the past decade. So, you know, that's, you know they, they're giving him props saying that he's damn near a Tier 1 guy. And I think that I think we're all in the agreement. And I think this year, depending on what he does with the weapons around him, I would not be shocked to see him as a tier one quarterback next season. I would not be shocked to see this same article come out from Mike Sando on the athletic and Derek Carr is a tier one quarterback because of what they said right here. A study conducted last season showed Carr getting worse support from his own defense and special teams than any of forty one quarterbacks with at least three seasons as a starter over the past decade. So what did we see from the Raiders' defense a season ago? A little bit better. We saw the defense keep the team in games. What have we been saying on the show all offseason long? If the defense and Patrick Graham can get a little bit better, just a little bit better, and, oh, by the way, the special teams unit helps out a little bit more. And I'm, when I say special teams, I'm not talking about A.J. Cole. I'm not talking about Daniel Carlson. I'm not talking about Trent Sieg. What I am talking about, though, and I would love to hear from you on this point, Raider Nation, 
when was the last time the Raiders had a kick returner that was a, a, a guy that struck fear in someone? You know what I'm saying? Like, when was the last time that the Raiders had a guy that could start the game by returning the kickoff, the opening kickoff, and you thought this dude has an opportunity to either take it to the house or get, set them up from really good field position? You remember they went out and made the move for Cordero Patterson. They only had him for a year. That was a, that's, a, that's a game changer when it comes to kick returners. They only had him for a year, and he didn't do a whole hell of a lot. He was okay. Remember they went out, John Gruden went out and made the move for old man Dwayne Harris, and he was okay for that great game against Denver where he returned that punt, what, 99 and a half yards that everyone was like, oh, my God, what is he doing? And then he ended up taking it to the house. It was fantastic. He was a very smart guy, but he was older. Outside of those guys, they've made attempts to bring in guys that could be game changers. But their field position to me, and this is just me, and I, that's why I said I'd love to hear from you, Red Nation. I feel like their field position has never been where it needs to be. You know, if you're, and, and now, of course, if you kick it out of the end zone, you start at the 25, you've got to make a decision because the 25 is not bad. But I would love for the Raiders to have a guy that you knew consistently could get you to the 30 or 35. Me and my buddies sitting around the barbershop used to always say that, that you know, the 20, and this is when it was you'd get the ball at the 20. It's like if you average 20 yards, that's fine, but that's just okay because you're, you're given 20 yards on a touchback. Now you're given 25 on a touchback. So can you give me 30? Can you give me 35 yards? Can you get me to the 35-yard line? When have the Raiders had a really good guy that can give you some really good field position? And I know Hunter Renfro does a great job on punt return. Don't get me wrong. But I'm really more specifically thinking of the kick return, the kickoff. Because the punt return, it depends on a whole lot of things, right? One, you want to have a guy back there with great hands. Two, it depends on where the other team is punting from. Three, I mean, that's a suicide mission waiting to happen on, on punt return, and he does a great job with that. So don't get me wrong. I do think that he's going to scale back a little bit this year because of his role on offense, but that's just me. No one has said that. That's just me assuming. But really, when is the last time the Raiders had a guy who could make, put them in good field position? I feel like their coverage has been pretty good. I think under Rich Basaccia, their, their, uh, their, their coverage was pretty stinking good. Obviously, we know A.J. Cole, Trent Sieg, Daniel Carlson. Those are all Pro Bowl ta ta caliber talents. Those guys are, are all great. But, man, one element of the team that I would love to see improved is that starting field position. That starting field position is so important. If you can, you know, even if you had a guy – that teams were thinking, yeah, we probably don't want to kick it to him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's just keep that ball away from that guy because he's too dangerous. They haven't had that in forever. I mean, honestly, I would love to hear a name outside of Cordero Patterson and Dwayne Harris, and I, I, I loosely put Dwayne Harris in there. The only name I remember before those guys, and maybe I'm, miss, I'm, I'm missing a guy or two, and I hope I am, I go all the way back to, like, Jacoby Ford. Was there somebody that was the difference maker before Jacoby Ford? Or not before. That would really be a long time ago. After Jacoby Ford? I don't, I don't really think there was. Like I said, I would gladly be wrong about that. So if there's someone in mind that you have, please let me know about it. 702-365-9200. Salmon text line is 69187. Keyword R&R. &R. Let's talk to Mitch in New Jersey. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's happening, Chill? Chilling, man. Happy Friday. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you're off weekend. Glad you off weekends too. Fry yay yeah, if you're I, in Vegas. <laughs> My bad. Boys, 
Sorry, Mitch. Can't hear you, man. You sound like a robot, man. Call, call us back, Mitch. I want to hear from you. Manny in Vegas, you're up next. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Q? Uh, you were asking about the last time we had um, a reputable returner. Yeah. As far as I can remember, it's probably Jacoby Ford. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's <laughs> what I thought. I'm sorry, probably Jacoby Ford. I think he had three three return touchdowns that year. It was like uh, Tom Cable was the coach. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like 2010, around that, that time, 2010, 2011, something like yeah. that. Yep. Yeah, it was a decent team. I think we were 8-8 eight eight that year. Yeah. Yeah, it was decent, but, yeah, that's the last time I can remember. And as far as I can remember, we've never had good um, good field position, so it has been an issue for a long time. Yeah, it has. Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. Yeah, I remember uh, Remember when the Raiders went and signed Desmond Howard from the Packers. Remember he was the MVP for the Packers Super Bowl team, and he didn't do anything. I was excited about him. I thought, man, this guy's going to be a game changer. Didn't do anything. Uh, who else did they sign? There was. I'm not saying they haven't made attempts. Over plenty of years, they've made attempts to go and get a guy. They just haven't had a dude. Like I said, going back to Jacoby Ford, that's, that's for me is, is what I, I remember. Aaron said, remember Jacoby Ford? He returned a couple touchdowns, I think. Exactly. And then he said we had Josh Cribbs too, but he wasn't the same on the Raiders. Yeah, Josh Cribbs was good when he was in Cleveland. Josh Cribbs was not good with the Raiders. I remember that's another guy that I thought, okay, there you go. There's an opportunity. But – just wasn't there. Um, <laughs> another text from the 707. Jacoby Ford was a decent returner. Do you see the theme here? <laughs> Do you see the theme? Ding, ding, ding. Jacoby Ford. That's that's That would be one area that I'd like to see them improved. And, again, it goes back to this whole article I'm, ta- I'm, I'm reading in these tiers of quarterbacks that I'm reading. You know, give Derek Carr a good field position to start with. And I know everybody's not going to get to the 35, 40-yard line every single time. But be a threat. Be a threat to get him there. You know, I don't want to put Kenyon Drake in harm's way, but Kenyon Drake was a really good kick returner in, uh, in college. And I, I know it's college. It was quite a while ago. But he, I mean, he's got the, the skills to get it done. I would, lo- I would love to see somebody emerge out of training camp as a guy who could be a bona fide kick returner that you know he's got a little something-something under his belt and he could take it to the house. Like, I think Hunter Renfro, anytime he touches the ball as a punt returner, could take it to the house. I, I believe that in my heart. Now, he's not Devin freaking Hester. Don't get me wrong. You know, he's not, he's not that dude. But I think that with the moves that he has, he has the ability to take it to the house. I just don't think he's going to get that much opportunity to take it to the house this upcoming season. All right, let's try to talk to Mitch in New Jersey one more time. Mitch, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, how's it going? I got, I got this blonde uh, tailgate in my ass over here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm staying on a good side. Hey, um, the offense is going to be so good. We don't, I don't think we have to worry so much about our field position. Um, we got, especially Derek Carr and Adams. Did uh, Justin Foggers ever return kicks? And I know you kick him out for kickoffs. It's just the punt returns. I, usually it's not the star. Everybody wants to be a starter. If you're on special teams, you know, you, that's not really your niche. you you know, unless you're fast. It's, 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 a, it's a bit of a downgrade to be on the special teams. Our going to be so good. I don't think we have to worry so much about our uh, field position. Thanks for right. call, RQ. You have a nice one. All right, man. Thank you so much. You have a nice one, too. Be safe out there in them streets. Don't let nobody tailgate you. I'll say this. I don't give a damn how good your offense could be. Field position is major. Field position is so important. You want to have good field position. I, I Like I said, I don't care 
how potent your offense is. I don't care how many weapons you have. You don't want to start consistently at the 20. If you can consistently get there around the 30, 35-yard line, that's just that much more opportunity, that much better field position. It opens up the playbook. The closer you are to your own end zone, the, the smaller your playbook is. So, uh, yeah, I understand what the firepower you're talking about, but you've got to have good field position. Again, that, that goes back to Derek Carr having to do more of the work, carry more of the load. Not that he can't, but he has all of a sudden he has to because, well, his field position only got him, you know, the kick return only got him to the 18-yard line or the 23-yard line. I mean, I look at returns to the 27 and, mo- and, and above, like 30, 33, whatever. I'm like, that's a win. That's a big win right there. You know, how, how many times – did we, you know, we see balls go out of the end zone, and all of a sudden the team is starting at the 40, and they're like, whoa, that's almost midfield. I mean, think about that. You get to the 35, you're, I mean, you're one Darren Waller completion away from midfield. Exactly. Like, I looked at Cordell Patterson's, like, his, his yearly return average, and he's had over 29, 29 or above on his return average five years. So that's just, like, five years in a row or whatever team he's on because he's moved around. Right. You're starting. Let's just round up that one. You're starting at the 30-yard line. Right. Exactly. So that's just what you're saying. That's better. It's better than the 25 and back in the day, better than the 20. Yeah. But starting at the 30, just like if you know consistently on average, he's going to get you about 30 yards per return that he gets able to take out of the end zone. That's a win. That's a win every time. Jason in Maryland said on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, Cordell Patterson was a good returner. It was during that sorry 2017 season. Yeah, I know, but it was only one season. That's the thing. Cordell Patterson was, and I was excited when they signed him. I was like, yeah, that's good. That's for everything we're talking about right now, that's what I thought Cordell Patterson was going to do. He also wanted to be a wide receiver. He wanted to be part of the offense, and the Raiders said that he was going to be part of the offense. And he, he was a very small part, and then he left the team, and now he's where? Is he in Atlanta still, or is he in Chicago? Where is he at now? I he's can't in remember. Atlanta. He had a is really he? good season last year. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And he did that offensively and, and through special teams. So, uh, yeah, he, he was – and that's what I'm saying. They've tried – to get guys in that position they just haven't succeeded that much but yeah jason you're 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 absolutely right thanks for the text my man appreciate you uh slow jam james said the only three names i could think of of the return game was tim brown johnny lee higgins and ford think about that think about those three tim brown hall of famer johnny lee higgins that was probably the best thing he did was return kicks I mean, he every once in a while he would catch a ball and take it to the house, but he had Jamarcus throw it to him, so that's a whole other conversation. And then Jacoby Ford. How long ago was that? <laughs> right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, if they could find a guy that just – what it, I'm trying to remember what coach it was that said it. I think it might have been Nick Saban, but I don't, I, I don't want to say it was because I don't want to just default to Alabama because that's what I like. But one coach said that, that's their – That's when you're kicking off, that's your first defensive play. So that's why their starters were on, were on special teams kickoff. You know, like Mitch said, you're only on special teams if you're not very good. Well, some really good teams have their starters on special teams for a reason because they say that's the first special teams – that's the first defensive play. And then offensively on the kick return, that's your first offensive play. So it's not really a, a bad position, but you're right. Most of the time, you know, a guy that's not – uber talented when it comes to being a wide receiver or a running back or a linebacker they're on special teams you're absolutely right about that but there are some coaches and some teams some programs that that look at it as the first offensive play and the first defensive play of the possession and so that's why they do have starters or really good talented players out there on uh, on the special teams unit so uh, thank you so much for that i think i got a couple more texts that i'll get to really quick 
Uh, <laughs> Jason in Maryland said he's the guy that I hoped we had br- brought back. Talking about Cordero Patterson. Yeah, that would have been a good one. Uh, and then one more text. We'll take a break. 404 hit us up and said, T-Billy, he going to be the guy. Hashtag number one to the house. There you go. T-Billy is a very interesting name Very because a lot of folks are talking about T-Billy. A lot of folks are talking about him. I'm very interested to see him on Thursday. I do expect him probably to get out there and get a little bit of burn. Not a lot, but get a little bit. Uh, but his name is being called a lot. Him and Lester Cotton are two names that you hear a lot so far through a week of training camp. T-Billy and Lester Cotton. So thank you so much for that text, my man. I appreciate you. And whoever, whoever could be that third or fourth uh, wide receiver, you know, maybe they can end up being a special teams dude as well, a guy that could be a big-time player when it comes to the kick return game. That would be great to see. 3.26 is the time when we come back. Part one of my conversation with Jason Horowitz, the brand-new play-by-play voice for the Silver and Black. He's teaming up with Lincoln Kennedy. Had a, time, had a chance to catch up with him and talk to him last night. Really fun conversation. You'll hear the first part coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got a text from the mailman Raider, 69187, keyword R&R. Q, I don't understand why starters aren't in on the first preseason game. If somebody were to get injured, they'd have more time to get healthy for the season. That's from mailman Raider. And the thing is, they're trying to avoid season enders that's what they're worried about like if for in particular like ryan jensen in tampa bay the center uh he was carted off yesterday he threw his helmet down so obviously it wasn't a good sign uh today todd Bowles, the head coach of the buccaneers said he's going to miss multiple months he might be out for the whole season that's the starting center for the buccaneers and that happened in practice so this game is just so violent that these teams want to protect their players now the funny thing to your point is back in the day, guys just went out and played ball. They just went and played and didn't worry about it. If they got injured in preseason, they got injured in preseason, but they just went and played. Now it's like, hey, protect this guy, protect that guy. And really, the scrutiny is so large. You know, if, if a guy goes out there, and I'm not going to throw no names out there because I don't want to put it in the universe like that, but if a guy goes out there that's a number one wide receiver, a number one running back, and he gets hurt in preseason game number one, what's the first thing you're going to hear? Why the hell was he out there anyway? Why was he out there anyway? You know, so that's that's it's it's one of those situations where they're trying to make sure that they get their players that they need, their star players, get them to at least the regular season. Because again, as we know in this game, you're only one play away. So uh, it sucks. I hate it, and the only reason I hate it is because I feel like it takes the starters a while in the regular season to get that game that game buildup, that game action underneath their belt, right? Stuff that they should have got in preseason, but because they're not participating, they can't. And you're not you're not going to get that from just training camp you're not going to get that just from practice you have to have game reps to be game ready and so unfortunately not only the Raiders but the rest of the league you'll see this the the quality of play early in season isn't quite as good as what it is in the middle of the season and towards the end of the season as as they really start getting ramped up but those first four games I look at as the first four preseason games of the but it's in the regular season so thank you so much for that text I do appreciate you my man 69187 keyword R&R now let's go ahead and jump into part one of my conversation I had Thursday night Jason Horowitz he was on with JT the Brick earlier this week was he when he was introduced as the new voice of the silver and black and he actually reached out to me and we had some little bit of conversation and then we hopped on the phone and had some more conversation so here's part of that part one of that conversation we had from last night 
Joining me now on the phone line is Jason Horowitz. He's the new voice of the Silver and Black. And, and Jason, thank you so much for your time this evening. I appreciate it, of course. And one, I want to congratulate you on being the new voice of the Raiders. But when you hear that, what does that mean to you, the new voice of the, the Raiders? Well, first of all, people have been trying to come up with a nickname for me for a couple of years um, on, on our shows across different platforms. And I think we got one. Uh, this is kind of a cool one. <laughs> Uh, but we're going to shorten it to just be voter, V-O-T-R, voice of the Raiders. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> awesome, dude. I mean, look, I, I look when we, you and I are, are a little bit different in age, but not that drastically different. But when we were kids, and I, and to some extent, to some places, they still have been recent, up until recently, like games were blacked out. Right. You know, I was growing up in Detroit, and I couldn't watch Barry Sanders at home <laughs> yeah. because nobody ever went to the Silverdome. And, and, and I'm sure there was times for you growing up in the Bay area where it's like, what do you mean? I can't watch Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen. Right. I have, but you, but you got to listen to the great Bill King. And then other people got to listen to the, to the great Greg Papa. And, and, and and certainly for the last four years, people have heard the the amazing pipes of Brett Musburger. So it, it means the world. I, I fully understand the responsibility to a fan base, particularly one as passionate uh, as Raider nation. Um, and, and I don't take it lightly and, and I'm ready to roll. That's awesome. You know, and it's so funny that you mentioned the blackout rules because that is one of the reasons why I became such a fan of sports radio and, and calling football games or hearing football games on the radios because I was forced to, right? I mean, there was times to watch the game. My dad would drive me way out of the market just so I could see it, which I always thought that was the, <laughs> that blackout rule was the dumbest. But that's how I fell in love with, as you mentioned, Greg Papa, because I, I was able to see everything that he was saying on the field yeah. and and Jason that's not easy to do there's so much preparation that goes into that and I don't think everyone understands that to be a great play-by-play guy for you game in and game out week to week what is what is the preparation like so it's it's different right every week and one thing that is very helpful I I imagine is being the voice of a team which you know I last year I did army football which was their home games for CBS Sports Network and it, it not quite the same because because they have you know road games as well and we weren't doing those so but but you know the the, the players the same you get familiarity with the coaches the storylines throughout the season it, it, that part becomes the same right so your prep work about what happened in week three when you're in week eight it, it's it's there right you don't have to look back you don't have to read all those articles you you were there uh, so so I think that is very helpful I'm excited for that aspect of it but rosters change injuries happen guys get cut players get brought in players come off the pup list right um the, the team you're you're playing against in their storylines and what do they do well versus what the raiders struggle with right if there was a great pass rush last year um or a great run defense you knew going into the game with the raiders offensive line having some struggles that that was something that was going to be a focal point um so so all of those things go in uh listening to the press conferences talking to the coaches and, and players um, and, and for that matter, what you do, Q, I mean, being the voice of a team, but you're speaking to a fan base. Right. And, and, and you, you don't call it the same way that a fan would call it, but, but you feel it the way that the fan, at least in some realm, mm-hmm. the way that the fan feels it. Um, and, and so for that matter, listening to what the fans are talking about, listen to what you're talking about, what JT the Brick is talking about throughout the course of the week. Those are the things that 
that you're doing. And, and like you and I have never met in person and, and you and I until this week have never talked. But I started listening uh, starting last week to your podcast because I'm like, all right, let's dive all in. I haven't even been, I haven't even signed yet, um, and I'm like, let's dive in. Let's let's find out what what all the you know storylines are for people who are watching every single practice. And so, um, my my preparation is 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 deep, and it's always been really important to me. And uh, I can't imagine that changing. And, and that's how it's got to be. I mean, there's no way, and I tell people this all the time, when the job was open, people said, hey, Q, do you want that job? And I was like, no, you don't understand that not just anyone, you can't just walk into the booth and call a game and do it right. You know what I mean? It has to be all that preparation. You have to have storylines. You have to be able to, in a in a lull of a game, be able to stay, still be entertaining. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. It's just, it's a different animal. And let me ask you this, because you do football, you do basketball, both pro and college. I mean, yeah. you've done everything. How, how different are the games when you're calling them, when you're doing multiple sports? Um, how so? You mean how different is the prep work or how different is the game Just, itself, just the whole or? feel of the game, the flow of the, I mean, you know, because they're two different games, they're two different styles. One's up and down. One's, you know I mean? One has, uh, you know, a huddle in between. I mean, there's just... The, the sports are so different. So how much is calling the games different? I mean, obviously football and basketball are different in length. Right. Uh, they're, they're, they're different in, you know, there's a lot more buckets and, 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 you know, what you would call successful point totals throughout the course of a game than, than in a football game. College football is drastically different than the NFL because you get blowout. Yeah. Like you have to be prepared in some way, shape or form for a blowout. Um, the NFL, it certainly happens, but you certainly don't expect it to happen. Um, in fact, most of the time, I think when you have a, you know, a game that our folks here in Vegas like to expect to be a double digit 17, 18 point game, it turns out to be a, Hey, how'd that become a field goal game? <laughs> right. you know? it's, the, it's the exact opposite. Um, so I, I'm look, I'm actually really looking forward to that aspect of it. I, I, I have worked with a lot of different analysts throughout my time, both as a play-by-play guy, um, but also in radio. I mean, there was a point where I was hosted a daily show on, at the time it was called College Sports Nation, now ESPNU. Yeah. And in a, in a given week, you know, f- uh, five shows, I would have five different shows. And, you know, you host three hours a day. Like, that's hard. Right. But one of the things that, that I've always prided my ability on is to connect with a very, very different amount of people. And the great part about working with Lincoln and just talking to him the last couple of days, getting to know him and what everybody else has said about him, dude, he's going to get a lot of room to shine. I can't wait to hear what he says and play off with him. And um, I also really appreciate the fact that it's going to take more than two of me in terms of size to equal one of him. I think that'll be fun too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Lincoln is a fantastic guy. He's a great. He's great at what he does as far as color commentary. And uh, you guys will will do a great job together. I'm I'm so looking forward to that. Uh, you listening to the broadcast and and again just getting to hear and, and learn the chemistry between the two of you. And look, it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, it's not. But no. you know, luckily for you guys, look for the Raiders. There's four playoff or not playoff but uh preseason games there this could year. be yeah exactly there, there could be four playoff yeah games. i mean ideally right in the ideal world that how fantastic would that be your first year as the as the voice of the silver and black you go four playoff games deep we all know what happens if you go four playoff games deep just gonna go ahead and throw mm-hmm. that and put it out in the universe but uh, i mean i'm sure there's <laughs> i'm sure there's someone listening right now who's like what are you talking about four we're gonna get the bye we're gonna have the one seed right. we're gonna have to play three what are you talking about right <laughs> exactly you know there's, there's always someone who's gonna to come up with some scenario where I'm wrong, but 
you know, with having those preseason games and having the fourth one, now that there's not only three, but having the Hall of Fame game, how important do you think that'll be just to help you guys get those reps in, just to get that chemistry down? Oh, it's going to be huge. I, I, like, you, like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't come overnight, but, but, but it's going to start at the beginning. I mean, it, I'm not rigid in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I am pretty adjustable and Lincoln's been doing this in the booth as the color analyst for, for the Raiders the last four years. And before that he was on the sideline and this is his team as someone who was a pro bowler for this team right. and an all pro for this team. Um, Lincoln's going to get a lot of space to give all that knowledge. I, you know what? I, I was listening to him this week on your show. Yeah. Uh, you, you re-aired it on the podcast. Yep. And, and, you know, he, you were asking him all the questions about what when he had five weeks of practice before the first preseason game. So, right. Um, you know, and all that stuff's going to come out during the preseason and, and all that stuff's important. But, let, you know, let's we also can't forget. And the Hall of Fame game's different, right? Cliff Branch is going in and, mm-hmm. and all of the, you know, excitement that's going on with, with uh, you know, that wonderful wide receiver who's, you know, you know posthumously going in and Mark Davis is going to present him and all of that. Um, so that one's a little bit different because of the history and all this stuff. But the preseason's all about the battles, right? It's about whether or not Alex Leatherwood or, or Brandon Parker is going to be at right tackle. You know, who's taking over um, now that the right guard spot is completely open um, with the retirement of Denzel Good? All that right. stuff. How, how do you feel about the safety? How are the corners doing? You know, Mullen is, come, is on the pup list, all that stuff. So those are the things that, that are going to be talked about as much in preseason because that's that's what the fans want to know. Right, exactly. That's what the preseason is all about as they try to put this roster together and, and field the best 53 men when uh, when it comes September 11th for the first game of the season against the Chargers in L.A. Again, right now we're talking with Jason Horowitz. He's the, the new voice of the Raiders, the new voice of the Silver and Black. It's a new chapter. I'm excited about it. Can't wait to hear how it's all put together. But, you know, going back to what you most recently did, you were calling, as you mentioned, Army football games. And one, I mean, we salute the Army for multiple reasons. I mean, they're fun to watch just go out there and play and perform but also we know the sacrifices they gave so i mean what did it mean to you just to be able to have that salute to service and call those army football games um it was something that i was pretty nervous about uh to be perfectly honest um you know my my grandfathers on both sides um fought in the military but neither one fought in the united states military my my one grandfather was in the israeli army um, my other grandfather was in the Canadian army wow. and, and so it, you know, from that regard, um, on my dad's side, I'm first generation American and all that stuff. So, um, I, it, it was different. That's not the U S army is not necessarily in my immediate family background. Right. Um, and so I, you know, living on the East coast, about an hour and 15 minutes away from West point. Um, I took the trip up there. I toured, they call they don't call it a campus. They call it post. Mm-hmm. Um, I toured post. I, I got to know some of the, the, the folks who have served and who are now professors there and continue to serve in that realm. Um, and then, but then at the end of the day, you know, it's also a football game. Right. So it's, it's a combination of both. A lot of, from the TV perspective, the promotional elements and things have a military background. And so you get to know some of the history of that which is very important to all the people watching. And oh, by the way, it turned out to be one heck of a season because they were really good. Right. And there was, you know, you, you look at the schedule and it's not very often that Army has a big game coming to um, to West Point. 
couple of years ago, they were supposed to have Oklahoma coming there, but the game was canceled because of COVID-19. Right. And when you looked at the schedule last year, the first game was the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And you can see, you can kind of see where the Twin Towers would have been from West Point. So you've got wow. that in the distance. And there was a big responsibility with that. Um, but then late October, Wake Forest made the trek up there. And like the beginning of the season, you're like, eh, all right, cool. An ACC team is coming. They were undefeated. Right. <laughs> and it turned out to be the game that was the highest scoring game in the history of West Point. It was awesome. <laughs> that's cool. That that's really really cool. And and didn't even realize the you know those kind of stories behind the scenes. But that's what you learn, and that's that's what you've learned. And those are the kind of stories that you can share that are awesome. And you know another thing that I think is really cool is the special ties between the Raiders, between you, between the Army, between West Point. I mean, you think about it. I mean, you're a Syracuse guy, so was Al Davis. You call Army games. He was in Army in the Army. Uh, Al was impressed with the black uniforms of the football players at West Point, so he put those into the Raiders uniforms. I mean, there's so many things. Has that been pointed out to you or is that just something that is kind of coincidental? I, I knew uh, that Al Davis went to Syracuse I, I and I did know that he was in the military. Um, but no, you're the first to like specifically point all of that out in terms of the ties from him going out, uh, taking over as coach and, and, and then obviously owner and Hall of Famer and you know, all of the things that he did, the first in the, in the league and um, the things that he did for, you know, advancement of, of so many different things. Right. Um, you know, you are the first to point out some of those types. Now, let's also be very careful. Uh, I am not Al Davis. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. I, there are so many things that he did uh, right. in terms of, uh, fighting for civil rights and so many other things of that nature right. uh, that, that I am so supportive of and, and admire. Um, but Al Davis is one of the legends in the history of this league. Yep. <laughs> I would love to someone to be like, you're just a wonderful voice of, of that team 40 years from now. Um, but I appreciate the ties you just pointed out. <laughs> There you go right there. That is the new voice of the silver and black, Jason Horowitz. I got an opportunity to talk to him last night. That was part one of the conversation. We're here, part two, coming up at 4.30 here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Coming up next, I got a couple texts and, and calls I want to get to, but also to Sean Reed from The Athletic. We had him on a little while ago, around 2.30, talking all things Raiders. He just pointed out something on Twitter, or he said something on Twitter. I co-signed it, and I realize now, I'm part of the hive. I'll tell you what I mean. Coming up next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Just heard in the last segment from Jason Horowitz, Raiders' new play-by-play voice. That was part one of the conversation I had with him last night. You'll hear part two coming up around 4.30. You'll hear from Cassie Sutto at the top of the hour, 4 o'clock. She's somewhere in California with our lotto tickets that are going to make us billionaires. We'll talk to her about that, plus Raiders training camp. That's coming up at 4 o'clock. Got a text, the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R from Allen in Vegas. Hey, Q, I remember growing up in Motown, Modesto, hoping it rained so the rabbit ears would get CBS 47 in Fresno to watch the Raiders play because the games were blacked out. Yeah, that blackout rule sucked. There's no other way I could say it. That blackout rule sucked. I mean, you had to literally leave the market. If you were in the Bay, I remember being in the Bay and not being able to see any game because the Raiders didn't sell it out on a certain time. I think it was Thursday 
by 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. I'm not sure if that was the day or not, but I think it was Thursday that they had to have it declared a sellout before they wouldn't black it out. So a lot of times I think the Raiders would donate tickets to a local boys and girls club or a a school or something to to be able to declare it a blackout. It was just the dumbest thing ever. I was so glad when they got rid of that rule. But my dad used to, to his credit, he used to drive me out of the market so we could watch the game or else I'd go out to his boat. And as I said before, I'm not interested in fishing. I'd sit there and listen to the Raider game. And that's how I just, I could see everything happening. That's how you know you have a good play-by-play voice when you can see everything happening in, uh, in real time, even though you're listening to it on the radio. Now, I know we only have a couple minutes left in hour number two of the show. Uh, Tashawn Reed from The Athletic put out this tweet just a little while ago. He was on the show around 2.30, and he said, the Beyonce album is decent. And I, I quote tweeted him and said, you're not wrong. I added it to my collection last night. And it's so funny because I did. I, last night I was working pretty late, and all of a sudden I looked up and I saw on Twitter and someone said, oh, man, uh, the Beyonce album is out, and it's pretty good. And so I thought, oh, damn, Beyonce's out. Let me go get it. So I immediately went and downloaded it, right? I don't know why, but all of a sudden I just went and immediately downloaded it. I downloaded two albums last night, totally opposite of each other, Beyonce's new one and Nipsey Hussle. <laughs> I, don't know what the, I don't know how I did both of those at the same time, but I did. So this morning, real quick story, the wife gets in the car this morning. I was taking her down the street, and uh, she gets in the car, and I – put on Beyonce because I hadn't listened to, I downloaded it last night but I never listened to a second of it but I know she likes Beyonce you know she doesn't always like to get in the car and hear hip-hop all the time so you know I said you know what I'll put some Beyonce on and she looks at me and she said what the hell are you listening to and I go Beyonce it's her new one and she's like you downloaded it I was like yeah last night and she just looked at me like since when and I don't know, man. Maybe it's because Rihanna's off taking care of babies. Maybe it's because Keisha Cole's ratchet and hadn't put anything out good in a long time. I don't know what the case is, but all of a sudden, I've become a member of the Hive. So I'm walking around the building earlier today, Damon, and everyone there will tell you this. Go ask Lucy at the front desk. Go ask uh, Maya at the front desk, any of them, Melissa, uh, Danielle. And I'm walking around, and I literally have Beyonce on my phone playing. <laughs> Even Jared was like, what are you doing? Bobby was wondering. He was looking at me funny. I was playing Beyonce. I was playing her, her, uh, her new album. And so half the time I'm walking around the building, you, ain't, you can't break my soul. <laughs> you, I thought I was Russell Westbrook. I was up here singing, you can't break my soul. And, and then I'm talking about the energy song. She's got, this actually is pretty good. So I walked up to Melissa and I said, I just got one question for you. I said this to Sylvia too. I said, this is really going to determine if we're going to be friends or not moving forward. And they said, yeah, what's that? I said, are you part of the hive? <laughs> Are you part of the hive or not? And they're like, well, I like Beyonce, but it's not. I'm not crazy like the Beyonce, the Beehive fans. And I said, all right, well, as long as as long as we're all on the same page, we're good. So, yeah, Raider Nation, I've become a, a full fledged member of the hive. Uh, Demond, have you picked up the new Beyonce album yet? Uh, no, not at all. But I mean, are you not a member of the hive? I can neither confirm nor deny. I don't want to be on the bad side of anybody. You know, I want to. <laughs> the hive will come for you, exactly. brother. <laughs> and you know, I'm agnostic. You know, Beyonce is great, one of the best entertainers of all time. But the track list looks good. I mean, I heard a little bit of Church Girl. I'm not gonna lie. You know, that's so a really good song. That was one. You know, I could get down to that. You know, in the right setting, Church Girl might get the party going. Yeah, that's a really good song. That's a really good song. I, I like that one. Um, Energy is good. Like I said, Cozy is good. She's talking about being comfortable in her own skin. That's a good one. Um, Right now, I was on my way to the house, uh, leaving the radio station, and I got all the way up to Move. That's what song I'm on right now, Move. Can you hear it? Uh, a little bit, but you know, uh, 
Okay, anyway. <laughs> I don't, I, it is, it's not necessarily a clean version. So, anyway, uh, Beyonce's out right now, and you can be a member of the Hive like I am. 359 is the time. Cassie Soto's up next as we kick off hour number three. We'll ask her. Is she a member of the Hive? Maybe she drove all the way to Cali listening to some Beyonce. Um, I probably think that she didn't, but we'll ask her next. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.